Thank you for joining us for the Detroit Evening Report weekends, where, unlike weekdays, where we focus on the hard news of the day, news you can use, resources in the community, and timely stuff, we really spend some time with people in our community, places in our community, learning more about this incredible city and area we call Detroit. Today, we have Tia Graham from WDET. Hey, Tia. Hello. Joining us. And listeners, of course, would be very familiar with you from the Detroit Evening Report, but we would like them to know a little bit more about you. So who is WTET's Tia Graham? You tell me, Sasha. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So uh, I'm uh, Tia Graham. I work with the WDET's Culture Shift as well as DER, Detroit Evening Report, and I am a native Detroiter, born and raised in the city of Detroit. Um, And if you're familiar with Detroit, of course you are because you're listening right now. Grew up on Dre Road and Southfield Freeway. So take that for what it is. All right. Yeah. I my that's close to my grandma's house. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. So tell us a little bit about what we'll be listening to today. Yeah. So had a a great conversation and discussion with the CEO of the COTS organization, Cheryl P. Johnson. And we spoke a little bit about the new COTS fatherhood initiative and talking about celebrating black and brown fathers, breaking stereotypes, talking about what's really happening in the community versus what we perceive is happening or what we're hearing happening through statistics, which may not be a true representation of what black and brown dads are doing right now and and have always been doing, being there for their kids and their family. So we wanted to have a conversation or I wanted to have a conversation just extending the 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 um, the need to break those stereotypes when we talk about black and brown dads. But then we also kind of had a cool transition to talking about kids and what kids are going through right now, especially with the family structures, how they're changing and everything that's happening in the world. What mental space and place our kids in right now. And right now they're really struggling. So just to kind of get an ear to what's happening in families in the city of Detroit, but also the kids was just a really uh, eye-opening conversation that we had with Cheryl. These sound like really important conversations. What do you know about uh, how this fatherhood initiative came to be? Yeah, so Cheryl uh, said she was in a conversation during the pandemic, of course, with um, a few representatives from different organizations across the country. She happened to link up with a particular gentleman from Oakland, Oakland, California, and he had a fatherhood initiative that he was talking about. And this initiative put into place uh, a program, a workshop, discussions, different type of materials and, and all types of different things to help usher in a new way to look at black and brown fatherhood in in this country. So she said that instantly lit a light bulb in her brain and she knew that the organization could house something so uh, uh, needed in the city of Detroit. Okay, great. Well, let's listen to your conversation with Cheryl P. Johnson, the CEO of COTS Organization. You know, Tia, I literally zoned out because in my mind, a narrative was there. And it was like, okay, what about the dads? Literally, I said that, what about the dads? Something he continued to lean into about the history of how our dads, particularly black and brown dads, have been alienated from the family. And here we are now in the 21st century um, with a narrative that is very faulty and harmful. It it made me lean in a little bit and start to listen 
And then I, I took a big leap. I want to learn more about this. And so for 18 months, there was this very intentional focus on understanding how we got to this narrative today, which, by the way, is not true. It is not true that dads don't want to be involved in the lives of their children. It is not true that dads just kind of zone out and, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not claiming my place in the family. And even if that means dad isn't physically there, because that we all know that happens, it does not mean he does not want to be in the life of a child. And so I, I um, did the hard work along with my team and saw the benefit of, of learning, not only learning, but now shifting our culture at COTS. When we talk about our families, we're talking about the entire family and making sure in our family-only shelter, Peggy's Place, that dads that come in, they know that they are included in the conversation about families. They know that they are honorable, they are important, and we acknowledge that. Because oftentimes I think about, you know, some of the stereotypes that are, are out there about black dads, brown dads as well. And I think, you know, a lot of the people that I grew up with, a lot of people in my neighborhood or around me, they had their dads around, whether they were mm-hmm. in the home or not. So I always mm-hmm. wondered, like, what, what, where is this disconnect coming from? So, so if, if we look at, so you can't just look at today. You have to go back in history. Literally, if we even go back to the time of slavery where dads were separated, literally, from their families, period. They, they were gone from their families. And then we lead into another um, era where we can look at um, all the, the, the drug uh, time, the cocaine time, even the time of work where dads who were physically there but who could not be there um, bring their emotional selves to it because you're spending, you know, 18 hours a day in the factory, right, to, to keep something going there but could not keep the emotional support going in your own family. All those are systems that really worked against our families. Dads that were taken out of the community into prison for stuff that was just, you know, that just should not have happened. Here we are in 2023 today, and we're dealing with, you know, the residual of all that stuff. So Cots developed a conversation series through the Fatherhood Initiative. And, you know, it's a space and a place that you all have created for dads to get together and just talk freely. I, I'm really excited about this. It's called Dad Discussions. So uh, we have a wonderful uh, staff person, Gerald Edwards, uh, who is leading this work. It's a virtual call once a month. And, and keep in mind, Atia, this isn't just for men that we partner with at COTS. It's for men in the community. It is open up to the entire community. Any dad that wants to come around the table and talk about their um, very unique issues that dads are dealing with, whether it is legal issues. You know, we, we, we have dads that are dealing with child support cases and, and who want to do right, but systems don't approach even creating a way where they can do right with it. And so we, they come around that we bring legal help in. Uh, we bring others who are leading uh, various discussions that are unique to death, and we let them lead the discussion and talk. We, we have found 
that their response to this is just amazing and how it has helped them and strengthened them, even in leading um, their lives with their children. And oftentimes when we talk about young kids now, that's Generation Z and now Gen Alpha. They're showing that they are aware of their emotions. They're showing that they understand them, but they're also showing that they're extremely burnt out already. Some as young as 12, 13 years old. So what are some ways that you all are combating or or, or working in dealing with this? They are aware, but how they regulate that sometimes can can be harmful. And so that's one of the areas that we work with our children on about self-regulation. Um, how you how do you regulate all the all the things that are coming to bear in the lives of our precious precious children? It's really really hard for them right now. The pandemic, as much as we say, or, you know, kids are resilient. I, yeah, yeah, to an extent, we all are, but it has been harmful, and so that we see suicide rates just at an all-time high now because we've not paid attention to what is happening in the hearts and minds of our, of our children. We've got to look at it a lot differently and allow them to speak and then address the pro- appropriately to, to their needs right now. So as we segue just a little bit here, I wanted to talk a little bit about the state of mind of kids right now. I know that you all often work with the whole family units and structures. Talk about what the kids have been telling you all. Yeah. What one kid said to, to us, here's what they said during this time. This is their response to having to mask up and um, work, you know, do homework and stuff, everything virtually. He, he simply, and this is a kid, he said, people don't see me. Like, like he, he, that's where he took it. That's how he felt. He felt invisible because it's not normal. Like how we were living was not normal. You know, it was the best way that we had to keep safe, but it wasn't normal. And when that happens, it impacts the psyche of a child, right? It impacts their mind. And, and how, do, how, do we come, how do we come out of that? How do we deal with that? So that's how he described it. He said, I, nobody sees me. Nobody sees me. So that was Cheryl P. Johnson, the CEO of the COTS organization. I'm so glad you asked about what children are experiencing right now. I feel like we do talk about it a lot, but there's so much to miss. And the particular circumstances that children live under affects what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. in particular. Yeah. And, you know, I think about just, you know, for both of us in particular, we're around people who are a certain age. So we kind of see what's going on, especially if we're just, you know, just around them and, 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 and hearing what they're saying and, and seeing how they're feeling about things that are happening. They have opinions about topics that I don't think they should have opinions on yet because they're <laughs> so young. But like the world is just it's impacting them just as much as it's impacting us. So just to hear them speaking in the way that they're speaking, is just like. It's very eye-opening, but it's also alarming because it's like, you should be 13, you know, you should be 11, you should be having fun, frolicking, wherever you're frolicking, you know, just being a kid. And a lot of them aren't getting, they don't have that luxury right now. Yeah. I do hope that 
people who are children right now grow up with the ability to talk about their mental health and their needs and self-care in a more sophisticated way than perhaps maybe we've ever been able to really do that. That's my hope. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that Cheryl and I were, were, were kind of getting into a little bit in the discussion was that these kids are a little bit more equipped emotionally, but that does not mean that they know how to regulate those emotions that they have. So, yes, they know they have them, but how are they using them in the world every single day, especially in a world that is, once again, changing so rapidly. So I'm just hoping that, like you said, that they are going to grow into grow up in a way that they can talk about their emotions, express their emotions and help create a better world. I'm behind Gen Z. Yeah, I hope so. So this discussion of black fatherhood was amazing because, I mean, I am, you know, an African-American woman. I have been told that I do not have a father, which was news to me and right. my father. Right. So <laughs> just, the, the assumption that black men are absent from the family is so prevalent. It's so prevalent. Uh, just the idea that uh, we're growing up as fatherless children throughout our entire community, the black community. It's this, it's this, this odd thing, especially when you're walking around or you're going to sports events or whatever you may be doing. And there are dads everywhere they're everywhere they're all over the place cheering clapping whatever it may be they're there in support and solidarity so this idea and the stereotype that continues on like Cheryl said from slavery and beyond you kind of understand uh, where we've been and where we're continuing to go if we don't step up and try to stop the um these conversations where they are yeah it also suggests that the family has looked a certain way or that the family is healthy when it looks a certain way. When I think if we really think about it, we know that the nuclear family is more of an anomaly than anything. And when you look at black and brown communities, you have more multi-generational families. You look at LGBTQ communities, you have families that look different and have always looked different from the nuclear family. Always. So the idea that that one model is the only possible healthy model is also a little problematic. It's a little, exactly. It's, it's, it, it causes this, it creates this idea that there should be a mom and a dad and a kid and the dog and the family and that's how it should look and it's like, you know, for eons we've seen so many different mixer looks and mixes of the way that families are blended together so the, the, the idea that um, especially black and brown families are not the ideal structures that are going to foster loving and um, I guess which way to put this uh, well-rounded family and children um, that that has to be that has to go away it has to go away it really does I think too that when we suggest to anybody but you know I I see it a lot suggested to parents that um, you are required to be perfect perfect looks a particular way um, and is easily measured by other people like like other people will let you know Mm -hmm. if you are being perfect enough or not that's really problematic and it Parenting is really hard. So when you put people in a situation where they uh, are encouraged to feel like they can't ask for support, that's unhealthy. It is. And, and, and you know, you see that a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. And so when we think about some of those things, especially like you said, family structures and, and different things like that, and, and looking for help and asking for help that comes with emotional awareness and how do we find a way to 
regulate our emotions in a way that we can go and ask for help in discussions, even if that person may not be willing to listen to what you're trying to say. I mean, we got to find a way to bridge that gap. So this fatherhood initiative at COTS is a it's a virtual program. So yeah, it's a really cool, interesting program. So it has so many different components with it. It has the it has a two year a uh, workshop type, or excuse me, eighteen month workshop attached to it, where you kind of go through this and you're talking with different dads and you're going through mentorships and you're doing all these really really interactive, communicative work. But then you're also seeing that they have another project that's attached to the fatherhood initiative, where they use um, stock photos. So they're taking stock photos of black and brown dads so that way they can send them out to different corporations and industries so that way there are photos of black and brown dads with their kids that's amazing that sounds like such a small thing but it's like yeah where's your where's your stock photography of, of black dads yeah, with it? that's just amazing just smiling throwing their kids up <laughs> it happens you know it does oh yes yes I won't even get into the men throwing the babies so <laughs> <laughs> too high too high <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing us this story. No, thank I you. Really appreciate thank it. you, Sasha, for bringing this discussion here. <laughs> thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to the Detroit Evening Report weekends and spending some time with us. If you know of a story, a person, a place, something we should be spending time on, drop us a line at Detroit Evening Report at WDET.org. We'll see you Monday.